are good to go. With more of the Matt Wyatt Show. Coming to you direct and live. Yep. All right. Hour two. Here we go. Off and running with you in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team. I'm here. Beaver's here. You're here. Get your comments in. If you're on the live stream, YouTube, Facebook, type it up. It pops up on the t- you know screen right here. We can put it on the show. <clears throat> like Will said on YouTube on the Murray West live thread, man, that'd be entertaining. I miss Leach's commentary as much as anything else. Yeah, I, I guarantee you. So the rest of us do also. Staying connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. Check them out at cspire.com. You know, holidays coming up. So gift somebody that phone they want or that watch. And they have deals on it, especially this time of year, too. So check them out there. Front page and kind of scroll through at cspire.com. Great Mississippi company. Great folks. All right. Texts on the Country Pleasing text line coming up. You can call the show as well. You know, and I, I it is Wednesday, so at some point we've got to flip the page and go ahead and look at what's coming up this weekend, right? For sure. Like, uh, okay, so here are the games I'm looking at this weekend. Or paying attention to. You ready? You'll have Valley at Alcorn. Saturday at 2 o'clock in Lorman. So Alcorn's hosting Valley Saturday, 2 o'clock. Uh, Jackson State goes to Pine Bluff, and that's at 2 o'clock. You can watch it on ESPN+. Plus. Jackson State, 5-3. and three. Pine Bluff's 1-6, and six, you know, so Jackson State would be thought that they're going to go win. But you got to go play the game. Uh, I thought it would be a farther trip. It's not long. It's not a far trip. Um, less than four hours, it says, from Jackson, Mississippi to Pine Bluff, Arkansas. you got Georgia-Florida. Game played in Jacksonville. I think we know the outcome, but uh, still, you never know. Of course, State is at Auburn. That's 2.30 on Saturday. I'll be in the radio booth for that. Southern Miss goes to App State. Appalachian State, 3-4. and four. Get them at home. Tough trip for Southern Miss, who's 1-6 on the year. That's 2.30 also in the afternoon on Saturday. Then you get Saturday night on the SEC Network. Ole Miss is going to host Vandy. And, uh, you know, that's one of those, if you're Ole Miss, you just hope you get out of it healthy. You don't want to get major players hurt playing against Vandy. (laughs) And the best way to get them not hurt is to either not play them or have them play all out, 100%, 100 miles an hour, and don't let up. I guarantee you which one they're going to take. Tennessee goes to Kentucky. It's fairly interesting. And then you get some NFL football this weekend that I'm interested in. Rams go to the Cowboys. It's in Dallas. That's a noon game on Fox on Sunday. Looking forward to that. You'll get Chiefs-Broncos in Denver uh, in the afternoon game, 3.30 on CBS. Rivalry game, but uh, the Chiefs have certainly had the upper hand and beat them earlier this year. So it's the rematch. And then Saints go to Indianapolis. That's two, three, and four teams. Uh, So that's also a noon game on Sunday. Just a few of the ones that I – We'll be keeping an eye on, find them interesting. All right, unnamed texture said, I'm with you guys. Michigan hasn't done anything that the other 132 teams haven't done. And, and that's right. I mean, to a degree, right? And I know the whole buying tickets and sending them. And my thing is, you know, there's a, there's a ceiling there on how useful that stuff is anyway. You know, fine, if Michigan wants to 
cover all their bases and f- try to figure out hand signals, great. But look, if I have a football team, and let's say I'm the quarterback or I'm the head coach or I'm the offensive coordinator, okay, and any of us are involved in the decision-making on how we're going to get plays into the game. Well, listen, it's kind of up to me to think about doing things and having a system that we can all use, that we have worked it up, memorized it, everybody memorizes it, where it's kind of difficult to steal our dadgum signs. Okay? And you can tell me, well, yeah, but buying tickets and filming it with a cell phone and breaking it down, okay, well, guess what? We live in a phone world. Every last one of us has got one. Okay, every fan in the stands can film somebody on the sidelines if they want to. Whether or not they know something, what to do with it, great. But, uh, I mean, what? You're going to tell coaches you can't have any staff attend anybody else's game with a phone. Now, how stupid is that? It's just the world that we live in. And, for example, all the way back <laughs> in the 90s when I was playing, you know, I was on some teams where – we had the armband, and plays were signaled in that gave us which number on the armband to read in the huddle. So whatever signal you got, you know, 120. All right, 120 flip. All right, you know, right, this, that, and the other. 28 toss, blah, 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 blah. X tag, you know, on two, on two, ready, break. Okay, so what if they get that signal? And you go, well, okay, if they figure out they just signal to you play number 120 on your wristband with whatever most hands motions they're doing. And they know what that is now. Okay. You know how I solve that in one second? They can have a guy on the other sideline watching me with binoculars and seeing and have memorized my previous hand signals, he thinks. All in the world I have to do is have more than one person given the signals on the sideline, and I switch them up which one's live and which one isn't. And I tell the other one who's the dummy signaler, use real signals. Don't use fake stuff. Use real stuff. In fact, we're going to have a dummy call sheet. That would make it easy on you so that all the hand signals are the same, and we got more than one, and only we know which one of those we're getting. You say, well, they can figure that out after two or three plays. Well, we can switch it every series. That ain't hard. I'm sorry, okay, but what nobody discusses enough in this thing, because I think they want to keep the controversy batted up in the air like a beach ball. They don't want it deflated. That's what I think, because here's the reality. I don't care how many signals they steal. I'm the offense. I'm sending plays in. That's my responsibility. If they get them, that's on me. If they get them and I don't change them, that's on me. There it is. There's lots of ways to do it. (laughs) You know, I mean, there's lots of ways to get around that, to cover it up, to do dummy signals. I mean, and it's been going on for ages. But we're going to pretend as though this is some sort of big all-income... (laughs) <laughs> I mean, really. And who's going to punish them? The NCAA? Is that what we're thinking? I mean, come on. I, I, I don't look at everything pessimistically that the media does. The media. You know, that sort of gets all of a sudden kicked up and worked up into this 
media tornado in the echo chamber. I don't look at it all pessimistically. I'm trying to look at it for what it is. But this is one of those things. It's so stupid. It is so stupid to pretend that this is such a big deal. It's not a big deal. I would even go so far as to say, I don't care what Penn State's complaining about or Rutgers or whoever else. Oh, there's some things that are going on over there that's not right. I don't care. You think that's a reason they beat you? Stop using it as an excuse. Win the game or shut up. How about, here's an idea. Win the game and shut up. Mansplained Texas show and said, regarding signal stealing, from the interpretation of football through the 80s, coaches whispered the play to a wide receiver who ran the play in. Coaches overthink this. I mean, you know, and now uh, where a lot of this came in is what? The no-huddle offenses, and we line up, and we're like, we're going to snap it. No, we're not. No, we're not. Now you didn't jump off sides. Now we're going to look to the sideline and get a play. Okay, yeah, okay, all right. You know, this, that, and the other, and now we, and so it's picking up what they're signaling in while we are lined up at the line of scrimmage. Well, you know, as an offense, you may have to go, if they're willing, if they're able to get your signals, you may have to figure something out, keeps them from getting them. Like every position has a live play caller and a dummy play caller or two. So you see eight people over there doing signals. But we're the only ones that know which one we're looking at. Well, that might confuse our players. Well, tell them to get it right. You're paying them. What are you paying them to do? Stop making excuses and deal with it. It is not a big deal. David and Brandon said, that he thought what Coach Sanders, this is the text, I thought what Coach Sanders said was stupid. In football, you may know what's coming, but you still have to stop it. Sure is a lot easier to stop it when you know it's coming, right? That's according to David and Brandon. Well, yeah, I mean, right. And some of it is being in the right position. So much in football of offense is even before we snap the ball, doing things that get some out of position so that we can then make this work. That's why you see a lot of pre-snap motion. I'm trying to actually get them to move over. Now we're going somewhere else, and we get them three or four yards off their spot, and that that equals a missed tackle, you know, and that missed tackle equals 15 more yards or maybe more than that. So, well, sure, if if they know. But I'm telling you, when you run, 70, 75 plays, you're telling me that somebody can get your signals and know every single play you're running? No. Now, if it happens five times in a game, well, they know it's coming. They're, they're stealing signals, so that helps them to line up better. Sure. But, again, the point is f- football is physical. <laughs> it is so physical. And, it, and then there are cases where, yes, we have called a certain handoff or a certain trick play or something, and then they adjust how they line up defensively. I get it. Okay, but think about college offenses. How many of these offenses that Michigan played against are they supposedly getting signals where the quarterback has a read on the play? He's got three different options. This is RPO. 
I first I read the defensive end. He slams down inside. I don't give it to the running back. I pull it. Now I'm on the edge. Next, I'm reading the first inside, uh, outside, playside linebacker. Okay, what does he do? Does he go up? I run. Does he come here? I throw. I got three different options. We can run or pass, and I'm supposed to believe that they got a signal over there that they can call the perfect defense to stop anything? No. No, it's not reality. The issue would be the integrity of the game deal according to some rule. If there ain't some rule that addresses it, if there is, address it, move on. But is this a thing where there are defensive signal stealers who therefore are holding people to 100 yards a game because we know everything you're running? No. Yeah, I, I saw a little bit of what he said, David, and I would tell you that 90% of coaches feel the same way. Well, I hate it, but we'll try to steal theirs. We might just steal their signals. Half of them are already doing it. Boomer Sooner. Team needs to do a better job of disguising the signals. Why would you use the same set of signals all year? Change them up. It's not hard. Well, and again, y'all, it's not about changing signals all the time. It's about putting the work in to cover your bases as an offense. You know, if a team is on the field, and think about, think about the logistics of a play. If the team is on the field lined up over the ball, and they look like they're about to snap it, but it's just to get the defense to show what they're doing. And then the offense is going to look to the sideline. Well, you have three position groups getting a signal sometimes, sometimes just two, but offensive line and skill. Does that make sense? And now other times it may be offensive line gets one signal, uh, receivers get another, and then the backs get another, You know, but they all mesh. So you'd have multiple people that are signaling that in. But even in that case, without dummy signalers, meaning they're giving signals but it's not live, even with that, you're still talking about multiple people on the sideline, and it's happening in the framework of about 10 to 15 seconds. So as an offense, we think somebody may be stealing signals. Okay, well, here's how we're going to solve that. We're going to have more than one. When I, when, again, when I was playing – and we didn't have the armband. We had t- offenses that I played in in college where the backup QBs were, they were giving the signals in for the play, you know, all the different things. Well, we had three of them. There were three guys on every play standing over there giving signals. It's only We're only running one play. They're all giving signals that are actually signals we use. We have determined before this quarter began which one of those guys is the actual play caller? <laughs> That's who I'm looking at. Can they tell which one of the three I'm looking at? No. And then after the first quarter, we switch it. All right, now you're dummy. Now you're live, okay? You, you signal them in live. You work on it all the time. You spend hours and hours and hours learning your signals and giving it. Position meetings. What play was that? Got to get it right. What play is that? What play is that? Does that make sense? That's why this is all made into a bigger deal than it is. And here I am 15 minutes into it. But that's okay. Okay, because it's Wednesday, and this is the first day we talked about it Um, on our show. But I digress. Any thoughts, opinions, otherwise on that subject? Feel free to text 
885-3776. 601 number, 885-3776. Or call me on the Divini phone, Divini Equipment, Madison and in Jackson, 995-1059. Uh, Will comments on the Murray West live thread. He said, I think it's just way easier to believe that my team lost because the other team was cheating. He said, so for the victims of Michigan the past couple of seasons, it's more vindicating to think that. Yeah, it's dumb. whole thing's dumb. Jimmy said, maybe the more obvious reason ESPN is taking shots at Michigan is the Big Ten is not one of their properties. <laughs> yeah, controversy sells, man. Chuck with a comment on the Murray West live thread. Contract embroidery here in Mississippi. Logos and, and otherwise. You need it sewn onto anything. Custom apparel, shirts, jackets, pullovers, windbreakers, hats, backpacks, promotional items, custom embroidery. I'm sorry, contract embroidery here in Mississippi going all the way back to 1996. That's where you need to go. Murray West in New Albany, Mississippi, a great Mississippi company. Chuck says, now that getting highlights and stats on your phone is so easy, networks like ESPN need to keep controversy stirred up try and get someone to watch yeah what would they do without the cowboys what would they do without the cowboys just before the show began beaver was telling me about the ratings bonanza that the world series is going to be with the diamondbacks and the rangers <laughs> <laughs> Two former wasn't the weren't the Diamondbacks originally in the American League or am I wrong? But anyhow, um, hey, if you want evidence that Major League Baseball isn't fixed, okay, the Rangers and the Diamondbacks are in a World Series. Can't fix baseball. I'm not saying they do anything else. On the Murray West live thread on Facebook, Steve commented and said, Matt, who caught our winning touchdown pass that you threw at Auburn? Well, the winning pass was to Matt Butler. Shout out. Number 23 in your program, number one in your heart from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And just before that was our tight end from Tennessee, C.J. Simone's God rest his soul. We lost C.J. a few years ago. That was all the way back in 1999. That was a long time ago. Um, Miko Texas show, Country Please in Texas. The sign-stealing thing has been going on forever. Change your signs and prepare better. And that's a message to the offensive coordinators. I mean, it is. It is. And I'll tell you something. State learned, um, and fortunately, they learned it in a win but it almost uh, was a part of the reason they, they lost was that you learned that also you have to have variations of snap counts worked out and ready to go and, and able to use when other teams begin to trick you with that. That's always been a thing too. Um, always. People go, well, it's illegal to bark out, right? Because right now, if you're a defensive player and the other team's using a hand clap for their snap, well, if you obviously as a defensive player go and snap your hands, clap your hands, and you try to get them to jump, they'll throw a flag for it. They call it delay of game for replicating the snap, D defensive delay of game. 
You're also not supposed to bark it out. But does it go on? Yeah. <laughs> Just like holding happens all the time. It happens. And against Arkansas, something was going on when State's offense was backed up there on the goal line, that end of the stadium. Because no other time this year have we seen Cole Smith snapping balls before the rest of the offense was ready to go, before a snap was called for. So, so I don't know if it was a somebody who could make a noise that sounded like a hand clap without clapping their hands or if State was doing a verbal thing and actually they were replicating that, but I don't think they were. you know. But you got to be able to do a little bit of both. So after the first time that it happens, you go, hey, all right, so they're doing this, so we're going to do it this way. And you go, some people might say, yeah, but they do the hand clap for a snap because of the crowd noise in these stadiums. Listen, it's just part of being a quarterback. you got to be able to call for the snap loud enough that if I need to say, hot, <laughs> everybody can hear it. That's part of the job. You know, the vocal part of it also. So sometimes you just have to be able to change it up. And it's a little bit of a lost art nowadays because of all the shotgun and the silent count stuff of the vocal being able to draw a team off sides. You know, and I, I do remember, of course, Aaron Rodgers has done that a lot in his careers. And, in his career, uh, Favre has done it. But a good if you're going on two, normally you're like, said, go, is your count. But you're able to draw them off because this time we're on two, we're on two, set, go, and nobody moves. Here they come, man, free five yards. And you make them respect the ball and stop listening to you. Those little games have always been played, and they always will be. All right. Rolling along with you in hour two. Office trivia coming up. Stick around. From the amazing hits. That one is huge. To all the amazing plays. Matt Wyatt has got it all for you. Just listen to that. All right. Back with you. Thanks for being a part of the show today. Really do appreciate you being here. Also appreciate Man Beaver. Let's check in with him right now. No forewarning. Checking in with B. B! I thought I heard him in there. Don't you like his theme music, though? Hold on, let's try that. <laughs> I have an actual bicycle that's supposed to go on. I just can't bring myself to use it. <laughs> Will said he's quiet today. Well, that's because I haven't let him get a word in edgewise. We'll, we'll do that coming up. Now, here it is. Um, office trivia on this day October 25th on this day October 25th 2007 it was the ninth episode How about that? Jimmy says, Beaver is appropriately rated. <laughs> I forgot about it. Overrated, underrated. We got to do some more of that.
Okay, so on this day, October 25th, 2007, the ninth episode of season four. Do y'all remember season four of The Office? It began with Fun Run, remember that? Then you had Dunder Mifflin Infinity. That whole fiasco. The launch party. They put up the wrong sign on the wall. It said launch party. Beave, you there? Still talking? The ninth episode was one called Local Ad. Do y'all remember <laughs> Local Ad? Okay, so that was the one that aired on this day back in 2007. How many years ago was that? 16 years ago. Goodness, 16 years ago today. It would have been a Thursday night on NBC. Local Ad was the episode. What it was is they brought Dunder Mifflin sent in. Well, I'll just tell you what it is. I'll give you the wording here in the description of the episode. After a video team is brought to the office to create a commercial for the company, the company sent the video team down there. Michael decides that the employees of the Scranton branch of Dunder Mifflin can create a better commercial, <laughs> you know, than the video team that the company sent. While the majority of the staff work on the commercial, Dwight still impressed. I'm sorry, still depressed from his breakup with Angela. Instead, chooses to play a computer game. So he was doing the computer game, and he was really out of it, you know. But the whole thing was built around the fact that Michael wants to do his own commercial. He didn't want to do what these corporate yahoos have come in here and don't know our people and make a commercial. for. They don't, they don't know how to make a commercial for us. What it was, a cookie-cutter commercial. Every branch in the whole company was going to have one scene at the end of it where all the employees stand there and wave at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the ad was always the same. He's like, I don't like that. And I think, it, you know, you get towards the end of it, he really uh, won because they got to see the commercial he made anyway. Um, here was his idea. This is how the episode started. He's sitting there, Michael Scott is sitting there talking to two corporate video production guys it's going to be a real simple thing, and they are looking at him like he's crazy as he describes his idea. In a field, holding a flower, we zoom back to find that she's in the desert, and the field is an oasis. Zoom back further, the desert is a sandbox in the world's largest resort hotel. <laughs> zoom back further, the hotel is actually the playground the world's largest prison. <laughs> and they're looking at him going, what is this guy talking about? And then, of course, at the end, they're going to you know, see their commercial that corporate made f for them, and he, he called it a name. Well, it's been tough. The uh, geniuses of corporate rejected my commercial, and tonight they are airing the brain-dead version. So welcome, one and all, to the world premiere of Corporate Crap Fest. <laughs> <laughs> all right so another note in television too this will be for the oldies out there i got my hand up you'll remember this if you're an oldie uh on this day back in 1982 this show debuted on cbs that would be new heart remember new heart Yeah, it's named after Bob Newhart. 
It was a great show. It was a ski lodge in Vermont with all these different characters, family-run ski lodge. He's author of uh, books. They go from New York City to Vermont. 200-year-old Stratford Inn. All these characters like the groundskeeper, you know, like the maintenance guy. He was funny. And then you had the weird kind of country bumpkin brothers. He'd say, my name's Larry. This is my brother Daryl, and this is my other brother Daryl. He, he had two brothers named Daryl in the show. So Newhart debuted on this day back in 82. It's a really funny show. I mean, it really is. And then one last note on it. Uh, Will remembers the local ad that Michael and, and everybody came up with. Dunder Mifflin, the people, persons, paper people. <laughs> and that was in that song that, what's his name, wrote, right? That Daryl wrote. They didn't wind up using it, but that was in there. All right, so there you go. There's our moment of pop trivia, pop culture trivia, pop trivia, pop culture trivia uh, for today's show. Uh, let's flip it over here to the Murray West live thread. Keith is hanging on, and he says, Matt, from your viewpoint, game to game, has State's defensive backfield improved much? Well, um, I mean, if you look at the last game, I think they have improved. You know, Arkansas's offensive struggles, well-documented. They fired the coach after the game, so there's obvious lack of continuity. It didn't click. They only scored a field goal and all this kind of stuff. But when you watch the game, uh, State did a better job in coverage. And I would feel like you, you just don't get a game like this where you go into someone's SEC stadium, a capable offensive play. They got players. They put up 31 on LSU. They put up 24 the week before on, or 21 the week before on Alabama. They got capable players. And you don't go into there and then hold them to a field goal unless you do a lot of good things. State did a lot of good things. Just watching it physically, hat on a hat, tackling, people in the right place, anticipating in the coverage so that you're not waiting for the ball to be thrown, but you're anticipating it, and that's what leads to plays and interceptions and stuff. All those things, outside of what Arkansas's offense was not doing, State's defense was doing those things, and they played, in my opinion, just for themselves, their best defensive game they've played this year. That includes a season opener. I, I just think it was. And you pair that with struggles and just whatever that they had going on there in Arkansas and their offense, that's why they only had a field goal on a short field. Although, you know, it's a, basically a defensive shutout. So State did some good things. So did have they improved? They looked improved to me. Part of that is, I would think, you had a couple of weeks to get ready for the game because you did have an open date, which every open date is going to have built in a little extra rest and recovery time so that you're physically a little healthier and just more juiced up when you come out of the open date. That's what it's all about. They did get some depth back, some depth pieces back. Um, but they were just more physical uh, than they have been, more shot out of a cannon. They were able to push and shove people around, you know, and some of that is the opponent. But, you know, the back end of State's defense, the biggest thing I saw is anticipation. Like, where you're confident that I'm confident in my job or where I'm supposed to be as a safety corner, I'm anticipating where balls are going to be thrown and where routes are going to be run, and I'm jumping it 
you know, within the timing and the flow of the play where I don't have to sit here and wait to see the ball in the air before I break. I'm breaking before that. And they did that a lot in the game, and it was good. And uh, so the other thing I was going to say, too, is I think, you know, you had two weeks coming into that game, open date stretch, where I guarantee you, the playing fast and aggressive and anticipating things defensively was emphasized after the stretch that State went through prior to the open day. That stretch of LSU, South Carolina, Alabama, Western Michigan, where these opposing quarterbacks four in a row were just flawless. Like everybody's open on every play and the ball's thrown without much harassment and it's thrown and caught. And the ball's nearly caught before a DB shows up in the screen a whole bunch. You know, way too often. I guarantee you that sort of stuff was emphasizing that off week of, hey, go ahead and flip the switch and kind of reprogram a little bit and, and shoot out of a cannon. Anticipate throws. Jump it. You know, trust your ability to recover. Um... So there are a lot of things that went into it. But do I think that they are improved? Yes. I think they showed me to be improved. And, you know, another road test. Go try to prove it again this week. Got to tackle that running back son this week for sure. All right. Stick around. Losing the game. You're going to hear about them all and get to talk about it with Matt Wyatt right here, right now. Yeah, it's true. Keith with a comment on the uh, Murray West live thread. Um, Keith said, but Arkansas was a score away from LSU, Ole Miss, and Alabama. They really were. You know, and, and in those games, their, their offense had kind of been up and down. Their defense had been a little more consistent than their offense. And they scored some points. It was, what, a, you know, three touchdowns against Alabama, three against Ole Miss, and, of course, put up 31 against LSU. Again, that's what I'm saying. It's not like you were playing a bunch of players who weren't capable. They are. And they've shown that. And I fully believe it. I said it during the broadcast with Neil on Saturday. I fully believe this. Part of what I think was Arkansas's issue in the game offensively was the defense they watched on film for State was a different one than what they saw Saturday. I don't mean schematically. State played so much better. Jason in Flagstaff commented. He said, uh, I think people are missing the fact that you know that was an off week and it was the first chance that they really had to watch film and evaluate themselves rather than planning for the next game in a hurry. And you know, I think there's probably some truth to that also. But if you watch State's defense against LSU and then South Carolina and then Alabama and then Western Michigan, Prior to the open date, 
you would get one impression about their defense. And then if you watch them against Arkansas, you'd get a totally different impression about their defense. State covered. They were fast. They rotated a bunch of guys on the front. Buki Watson was an All-American that day. You know, they tackled well. State was so much more physical um, <clears throat> on their front. They were knocking people around and pushing people around. Arkansas lost a bunch of one-on-ones on the offensive line in that game, and, and that was an issue also. K.J. Jefferson missed some throws. You know, just before the field goal, after the interception at the beginning of the game, where they went up three to nothing, those are only points of the ball game, he did have an open tight end. Now, the, the, the route was a little messy. They had a three-receiver route over there where it was the two insides were doing the whole pick play deal where they either run the pick and cross at the goal line or they go like they're going to run the pick and stop and don't run the pick. And it, they kind of ran into each other, and it was a little messy, but then he turns and he's open, and Jefferson just really missed him badly. So they had some of that stuff going on. I don't know. But I can tell you, you know, State's defense did look better in just about every way. I mean, that, and that kind of goes without saying. So, you know, if you inject some confidence, a win will do that. You just never know. They, they still have a long way to go, but you just never know. And now the other side of it is for State figuring out ways to score some points. Offensively, easier said than done, right? All right. Okay, let's see. Brad says, Arkansas did not score three touchdowns against Ole Miss. They scored two and two field goals. Matt Wyatt, thank you very much. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about I missed that detail. Didn't it add up close to three? It added up to close to three touchdowns. <laughs> All right, two touchdowns and a couple of field goals. All right, gotcha. All right. Speaking of Ole Miss, they are – no, 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 no. I'm not going there yet. Let's do – I got one soundbite here from Sam Pittman on the subject we're talking about, and that's Arkansas's offense. They're making a change because it simply didn't click. That's what he said. Well, the system was really good. I mean, it was a really good system. And like I say, Dan's a really good football coach. Um, we, just, we just didn't click in it. And, uh, you know, when he came from Maryland, they had great success over there uh, in their offenses. But I do think that we've got to uh, allow K.J. Uh, uh, to take some of, th some of the things off his plate that we were obviously trying to teach him for now and for his future. Um, but we need to take those things off his plate because he's not playing fast. And, uh, and uh not playing, and he's not as accurate throwing the football as what he has been in the past. And some of those things have to be mentally; they they have to be mental, and and we've got to take some things off his plate as well. So there you go. Just didn't click. All right, so here we go. Ole Miss. Um, Lane Kiffin, they're hosting Vandy. Says they have to avoid sort of the letdown, or whatever you want to call it. I don't know what his words are. We're going to find out. But what he's talking about here is playing down to your opponent when when Vanderbilt comes in there. I mean, we pointed out some big upsets, you know, that just happened, especially, you know, really big one over in the ACC. So, and these guys were beating us at halftime last year. And so, 
we got a lot of work, a lot of work to do, a lot of work, things to work on. Um, so it's a lot more about us than who we're playing. He talks about atmospheres on the at home and on the road, the whistler that you could hear at the Auburn game and stuff. I don't know this for other conferences. I think that the home and road thing in the SEC is bigger than any other conference. I think you have dramatically really hard places to play here and and here just like Saturday night, you know, even Auburn having, you know, a down year. I mean, that was an electric place and we got major cadence issues going on in the game that we can't hear. And it didn't help that someone behind our bench, one of their fans, had a whistle too. So, um, but I don't know why we've had success at night. I mean, it's it's hard in this conference. Um, we just, I personally think, even though we had some false starts, that that tempo offense helps playing on the road in really loud places versus the old school, you know, huddle and and cadence part. So. I think it kind of makes it harder for fans to know really when to be loud because you're going so fast. Now, when you're having some three and outs, it works against you, you know, like you did in the game. But so I don't, I don't really know that. I just know it's really big. It's why I'm trying to encourage our fans so much to come out and be the same way they were in Arkansas and especially LSU because um, that's what they want our players to do. They want our players to show up every week or they don't like that and complain about that. So um, we're hoping for the same thing from them. Yeah. And it's true. There are some places, you know, Auburn is one of them that, you know, here they sit 0 for in the SEC right now. I guess 0 for 4 in the SEC. Um, but, man, they Auburn will sell every ticket <laughs> and sell that place out. Uh, they're a little bit like South Carolina over the years. It doesn't matter what their team's doing. They fill the stadium up. you got to credit those folks. All right, on the Auburn side, they just lost to Ole Miss. Now they're getting ready to play State. Um and they've got offensive issues. Here's Hugh Freeze talking about that. I think this offense can be a lot better. And you just wish that we would have arrived at hope, hopefully what we start seeing more of at the end of the season sooner. And, and Jarquez is a part of that, of course. And I think he was a lot more patient um, and letting the holes develop for him. And he ran really hard and very physical. And it was it's good to see it because he's such a great kid. Comes to work every day and um, about it the right way. You don't have to worry about him being on a list or, I mean, he's uh, he's he he comes to work. So you're always good to see you know him him experience that success. And we've got several like that too. So he was talking about Jarquez Hunter, the running back who's actually from the state of Mississippi. Uh, passing game, Auburn's passing game. Not good, to say the least. Well, I told uh, the staff yesterday, you've got, we've got to be more balanced. Now, I firmly believe you play to your strengths. And I do think we have proved we can be somewhat successful running the football. But uh, I do think you have to play balanced football. And um, so we've got to find the things that our players can do, receivers, quarterbacks, protections, and... Um, and be a, more aggressive in in calling those, and um, so I, I expect to see that change some. But I'm not sitting here at all saying to you that that you won't see more runs than passes. Um, I think we've got to, you know, again play to our strengths. Now this team you're playing this week, I mean. Uh, 
they're they're they they for they're they are really 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 chaotic on defense and it's really really hard to consistently run the ball on them and it's also really really hard to protect so you've got uh, we've got a lot of things facing us for sure and look when you hear a coach say that if i'm scouting when i hear a coach say that It is an indication to me, yeah, they are going to run the ball. When you're playing a team that he says won, they do they are very chaotic on defense. And state is. They can line up in some exotic stuff and they disguise coverages really well. They've always done that well under Zach Arnett. And they can really get pressure on your quarterback, which they do. Well, what are you gonna do? You're gonna run it in their teeth, especially when you're an offense can't throw. State and Auburn are in the bottom three in the SEC in total offensive plays. They are in the bottom three in touchdowns. They are in the bottom three in total offensive yards. And you, it's hard to snap your fingers and change that stuff in one week. And so this is a game. It'll be a defensive game. Last week I thought it'd be a shootout. It was a defensive game. So don't listen to me. And <laughs> that's probably the lesson. All right. Tomorrow, same time, same place. All right, see you then in the Bureau, Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. For Beaver, I'm Matt. All of us here on the show, see you tomorrow.